Sponsored by Expressway. With My Expressway, free travel pass holders can reserve their seats online at expressway.ie or at our ticket machines in stations. Hello, I'm Conor Faulkman and this is Driving Life. Welcome to episode three, where I meet Nuala Carey and Shane Ross. First up, it's my old friend and colleague, RTE's Nuala Carey. I dropped down to her in Montrose as she was finishing her morning's work and we had a little chat about cars and about life. From her driving test to her dream car, we spoke about her life driving with memories of her late father and we spoke about working in RTE and where we'll see her next. In part two, I have a longer chat with former Transport Minister Shane Ross, now happily driving an electric car. We go through his early life and Anglo-Irish education, getting fired by Dermot Desmond, working as business editor in the Sunday Independent, and of course, politics. He gives us a candid view of his time in Cabinet with political enemies, and he tells me about his next project, a biography of Mary Lou MacDonald. Part two starts at about 20 minutes. But first up, it's Nuala who was kind enough to meet me a short while ago in RTE. I picked up two coffees on the way and popped down to her on a bright autumn day. Off we go and let's meet my favourite weather forecaster. Nuala Carey, how are you? I'm good. Delighted to see you, Connor, because we worked together many moons ago. We did. We did. So I always kind of take a little bit of pride and every every time I, I see you presenting the weather, it's, so that's our Nuala. Ah, thanks. Well, I have to say, I have the fondest memories of my time mm. in AA Roadwatch. It was my first job in the media and I loved the people. I loved the variety of work. Yeah. And I have... I just always look back on it as a really kind of golden few years. It felt that way for me too that time. I think we have some old photos and stuff that we were, you know, in clearing out an office and, and you see some of the, and there you are in your young glory. Um, and listen, you look fantastic. Strange setting. We're, we're, we're meeting in the car park of RTE. <laughs> uh, we would be allowed inside, but COVID rules and all that, so they're, they're terribly. So here we are in the car park. So you look incredibly glamorous. You've, have you stepped literally just off set? <laughs> well, more or less, yeah. yeah. The lunchtime weather. Um, but listen, as you know, TV and a bit like radio, it's all smoke and mirrors. It's all an illusion. Yeah. And um, I, I don't look like this all the time. No, I, I, I know. Actually, I don't do an awful lot these days, but I did a, a TV thing the other night on um, Virgin Media, their, their Tonight Show. So I was sitting at a desk, but I verified in advance that I was sitting at a desk so I could turn up in the top half of a suit and pair of jeans. <laughs> I remember you were a bit of a diva for that kind of. Yeah. I think we had a conversation years ago, and you, to save time, you were saying there was no point in ironing the back of your shirt because <laughs> you were going to have a jacket on. Exactly. And so highly practical, highly practical. Well, I have to say it is a good idea. I don't like ironing. Nobody yeah. does. Well, you see, so when you're presenting the weather, actually, you don't need to iron the back of the dress. Not That's at just all. Important, don't important don't turn to, around. Don't turn around. Yeah. Um, well, look, fantastic to see you. I'm, I'm chatting to people basically about their life and driving because I, I think we all have little war stories and uh, life on the road. Do you drive much, Nola? Well, I don't particularly for the simple reason that I work here in RTE and Donnybrook and I live in Monkstown. Hmm. So, I mean, my commute is about four and a half miles. Yeah. So the driving I do is always fairly local or if I'm doing a weekly shop. So I'm not covering a lot of ground, yeah. but I like driving and I like the opportunity, you know, for a long journey. 
and my family kind of look for well, me you to country do it. family don't you or, or are you dub dub not dub dub mom is mayo and dad was cork but actually when we used to go down and visit dad's family as we still do although mm. haven't been there for a while because of covid we would always do that actually on the train Oh, right. Yeah, we used to do that kind of in a day and we'd go down in the morning and back in the evening. But... Um, yeah, make a good trip of it, yeah. Yeah, but I but I do like to drive. Like if somebody, you know, invited me to something now in Offaly tonight and offered me a lift, I would say to them, no, no, your grand, thanks, I'll, I'll drive yeah. there myself. I like being on my own in the car. I like listening to the radio. Yeah. And I'm not used to people in the car with me. So I'd say... Uh, like I okay I might have one passenger like my mum if I was bringing her somewhere but if I had a full car I just don't really like that <laughs> I know well I mean uh, I, re I remember family car trips I'm sure we all do but they had the car full of kids and squabbling with siblings and oh. did, did, did you have all of that in your life well we did and you see going down to Cork years ago to see dad's family and, and spend time with my granny we'd go down for, for the summer like the journey was much longer years oh, yeah. ago you had to break the journey as well you'd stop in Cashel and you'd have your lunch I just thought we were never going to get there, <laughs> you know. So yeah. there were long journeys. Yes, yeah, so well, that was that was Irish life for lots of us. And so, when did you learn how to drive then, Nuda? Well, ironically enough, I I couldn't drive when I worked at AA Roadwatch. <laughs> so, like I was telling everybody about you know tailbacks and broken down buses and broken down cars, and sometimes you'd actually have to give advice, yeah, as you yeah. know, you know, tips and driving through fog and all of that. But I couldn't drive and it was something that I wanted to learn how to do but then I think subconsciously I had a slight fear of learning to drive because so many times on radio I was talking about you know an accident block in a road so I don't know where but in some part of my brain I suppose I was nervous at driving which yeah. it doesn't make any sense because we were just reporting yeah yeah you know, these could be tiny accidents mm. you know it's, it's nothing really you know nine times out of ten but but even still it, it kind of put me off so then i said to myself no you have to get over this and i remember people even yeah. in the office in air road watch would say to me oh no you know you should you should learn to drive yeah so i was in my 20s when i learned well you know so was i well when i first did my traffic reports i couldn't drive oh god uh, i wasn't I, the only one yeah no i know it was like my, it was my guilty secret at the time you would be telling people you know steer carefully and you know no sudden braking movements and my father used to give me an awful slagging over it but listen we were young we were young hmm. um, uh, 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 so you did you were an adult then so to speak doing the driving test so I, I was how was that experience well do you know what I'd have done the leaving search quicker <laughs> I hated doing the driving test and I didn't get it first time but hmm. then a lot of people don't so I, yeah, I don't yeah. feel any shame about that but I mean, you're so nervous on the day. They're reversing around a corner. Like, I, I still have visions of myself driving to a local um, housing estate with my mum and trying to keep practice it. And then, like, opening the door and seeing how far I'm yeah, out. And seeing the curb yeah. like, like, six feet away from the door of the car. So uh, I got it. I I, eventually, I did get the test. And I, I can't remember. I think it was around... It was either Churchtown or Rathgar. I got it. I think it might have been Churchtown. And I actually remember 
the driving instructor. I remember what he looked like. I even remember his name. And he actually was was lovely. But when I got the driving test, he didn't say to me straight out, you have passed. When we went back and sat down, he took out his notebook and I could see it said certificate of competency. So I said to him, oh, have I got it? And he said, yeah. And I was like, if there was one thing you hadn't prepared for (laughs) yeah I I thought the moment would be much more of a fanfare but uh, but he was lovely and I was delighted to get it because I really needed to get it something was happening and I needed to be able to drive so just the relief was unbelievable yeah and you've only to get it once exactly I, I I mean are you a safe driver since do you think I think so yeah yeah I do now I'm not I'm not a road hog, you know, going at two miles an hour and, you know, but I, but I think I am a safe driver. Yeah. I, I, I really can't picture you having a road rage incident. You, you don't, you don't strike me as the type. Right? Uh, no, I suppose I wouldn't. Although once, I, you know, I, I was turning left, so I had to go into a yeah. bus lane. It was inevitable. And this man in front of me got out of his car and started shouting at me, saying that I got into a bus lane. And I was looking at him going... <laughs> I had to, to turn left. Hello. So I, I I just couldn't believe it. Well, but anyway, yeah. so I was the victim you of You were the victim. Rage. You encountered a lunatic. Yeah. yeah. But to date, you haven't been that lunatic. No, and no. I wouldn't be. I wouldn't be. I wouldn't be. And would you be confident, say, to drive abroad? No. Sorry, I'll tell you that straight. Definitely not. Wouldn't even consider it. No, no, wouldn't even consider it. <laughs> no way. Yeah. And particularly so, because if you're abroad, you're on your holidays. Yeah. So I'm not taking on that stress. I, I, ju- I wouldn't even consider it. Yeah. I'm sorry. And that might sound awful and defeatist, but I just, I'm not putting that stress well, on I, myself. Well, I, yeah, I, you know, I know people who put it off for years because they were convinced it'd be difficult and then took to it like a duck to yeah. water. Um, and then, you know, other people who, who take to it with complete overconfidence and think they won't mm. have a problem in the world. And on day three, they look the wrong direction at a junction. And, uh, yeah, I think because I just know me and I'm a creature of habit. And, and it's funny because even when I've changed my car once or twice, you know the way maybe the indicator and a few things yeah, are different yeah, yeah. for a while it, it would take me a while to get used to the new car so I just I wouldn't be confident and, yeah, and like flicking you're your wipers on as you pull around a corner oh jeepers good night <laughs> and like you're driving the car you know you have to be careful so I no I wouldn't even consider it I just it's not for me well though you, um, arrange for somebody to drive you well exactly yeah, yeah. yeah. Travelling with Expressway and your free travel pass is made easier with a reserved seat. When booking journeys at expressway.ie, make sure to select seat-only reservation free travel scheme and pay just €2 per trip to guarantee your seat. Bookings can also be made from ticket machines in stations and priority boarding will be given to those who book in advance. Travel without a booking is still more than welcome, if you prefer, provided we have space on board. Take it easy with your free travel pass and expressway.ie. Think you're not smart enough to own a smartphone? Well, think again and think Doro. Doro phones are designed specially with the older person in mind. They're easy to use with louder sound and larger text. Plus numerous state-of-the-art features that don't compromise on performance or quality. To learn more about the full range of high-tech Doro phones, visit doro.ie. Doro phones. Make friends with innovation. If you're enjoying this podcast, why not subscribe to Senior Times, the magazine and website for people who don't act their age. Or maybe you have a loved one or a friend who you know would love to read more. 
you can buy a subscription and have the magazine delivered direct to their door. To subscribe to Senior Times, visit the website at seniortimes.ie and like us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash senior times. Did I see you tweet the other day that you were that your car had to be towed out of your driveway? Uh, well, now that was very unlucky. I and I, I actually don't know what's happened to my car, and my car is only three years old. So I actually got a text <laughs> from the garage earlier. We we don't know. I'm getting some light up something to do with the engine so well I, listen I don't want to blind you with science but the engine is pretty fundamental you know without yeah, an engine it's just not going to work well at all so at the uh, moment I'm walking oh really oh yeah. my god well uh, uh, ho- hopefully not for long I presume the car is not an electric car you haven't gone that route no yet. I haven't yet no yeah. but I think inevitably we all will end up going that way but I I won't be I won't be moving with the electric uh, car until more people are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think it's one of those things. We we will all we will all we will all kind of get there and have a cleaner uh, city because of it. Um, I was going to one of the things I'm asking people is if you won the lotto, do you have a dream car? But then it occurs to me: Are you allowed to win the lotto? No, I can't win the lotto. You're not allowed to win so the lotto. So I always say to people: It could be you, but it can't be me. It can't be you. <laughs> well, there you go. He said, "Well, I have a 19 million quid note in my back pocket this evening." So oh, wow, good for you. Yeah. Um, um, so it, it, it won't be through the lotto. Um, no. But let, let's imagine you did have like the colossal windfall. Is a car on the list of things that would be your list of treats? It doesn't feel like it would yeah, be. Well, I suppose it is one of the first things I think a lot of people do when they come into money is is to upgrade the car. But I don't like I don't think a Ferrari is me or a Porsche is me. To be honest with you, I I've been in Porsche. Yeah. Like they're low. I, I, you know, to be honest with you, I'd probably like a Range Rover. Something yeah. really high on the road. Yeah. Um, and very comfortable and very yeah, safe. Yeah, and there's loads of, I'd, no, I, I've, I've never even been in one. Well, I don't think I have. Maybe I have. But like, I'd say the boot is huge. Like things like that, I'd love. Yeah. Well, I, I, you know, I was I was in company cars for years, um, but then when I left the AA, I, first time ever, I bought my own car. Oh yeah. And um, looked at electric and all that, but and maybe my next car will be. But my car has to do two things: it has to cross the country to Sligo and back, no mess, no fuss, and it has to carry loads of stuff. And yeah. and you know, unfortunately, that that ruled out several Ferraris. Uh, that another criteria. Oh, yeah. Yeah. No, I think the more we we chat about it now, definitely Range Rover. And actually, when you look at the Royals and all, they they drive a lot of them. So I suppose if it's good enough for them, yes, it's good enough yeah. for me. And you do like to keep an eye on on, on, on <laughs> Royals and celebs, no? Ah, uh, sure. So we all kind of don't we all look at the magazines and yeah. see what other people are up to? Yeah, vic- no, vicarious nobody. living, yeah, yeah. yeah. You, so you, nobody you, has it all. Nobody has it all. You get people thumbing through car magazines as well, just you know, just to lust after the pictures. Oh, I know, yeah. Um, uh, but such but such is life. So what are you up to then? This uh, this all this winter, Nula, as uh, well, I suppose nothing too unusual because you know, this September we would have gone to the National Ploughing Championships, which again didn't take you place normally this do, year, yeah. yeah. So, we actually made a program. Well, actually, the the actual ploughing went ahead this year, but the big event around mm. it didn't. So we made a programme about, you know, the ploughing and the competitors at that. Um, I'm back on Lotto in December. 
So I'm well. Yeah. I mean, I'd love to give away the 19 million, but I presume if it's still hanging around yeah. in December. I know that'll be quite unusual, yeah. but I suppose it'll go in the next few days. But your weather, like traffic, 365 days a year. We're so. not we're not going to run out of weather. No. Um, but then I've seen you doing lots of other stuff, uh, and I, I, you. you you do present the Today Show sometimes yes, as well? Yes, yeah, I'd work a bit on that. I had a piece on that during the week about bats. Bats? <laughs> but bats, like I've never been up close and personal with one, but actually baby bats are very cute. I know people won't believe me when I say yeah, that. But they've got these cute. awful little devil gargoyle faces and they're cute all the same. Aren't they? Yeah, I mean, they have big ears, and but they're actually... I think they've got a bad rap. You see, <laughs> movies have, have destroyed their image. Um, and I cover the fashion sometimes on the Today Show as well. So I'm kind of one of those people, like, I'm kind of always working. Yeah. If I'm not doing one thing, I'm doing another. But now at the same time, I have a load of annual leave left. So I think I will take a bit of time off. Because oh, if you don't use it, you lose yeah, it. Yeah. And you're you're actually RTE staff, aren't you? So you're... Yeah, I've always been RTE. So... Like, I'm always based in Lannybrook. Yeah, so this has been your workplace really since the AA. Yeah, and all through COVID, nothing changed because weather, in fact, people probably needed the weather more than ever because the first lockdown conditions were really good and that's oh, when yeah. people were getting out walking and they were cycling and the sea swimming. Um, so my life never really changed. But I would have noticed, I suppose, going back to the, the kernel of the chat, like the driving yeah. during COVID. Like, I, I could get to work in 10 minutes there was nobody on the road it was like armageddon and like there was so few people on the road that like in that 10 minute journey i could be stopped by two sets of guardia at checkpoints yeah 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 well i got that too crossing the country because my essential journey was the was the trip across to see moments ligo um so i i did that you know re repeatedly during the lockdowns and again in lockdown one which was a you know a relative doddle in hindsight. There was a heat wave going on. Yeah, so, and we all thought it was going to like I think we all thought COVID ah, about three weeks. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I was very sober and serious and saying you know this could go on for weeks. <laughs> I know. Um, if you only knew. Yeah, if you only knew. But in the meantime, the weather was belting, and you know mm. you, you were doing a day's work, which involved sitting on the deck in the garden with a cup of coffee in the sunshine, um, and driving back and forth to Sligo. And uh, at one stage, there were a lot of on the road uh, and you could be stopped twice on the way down. Yeah. And did you, when it's an essential journey and you're visiting family, yeah. do you just, did you have a letter or do you just explain well, it? You know, I had letters. You had, to to work. Well, I, uh, we, we, the AA was, the, all the AA guys was counted as an essential service. Obviously oh, the roadside right, breakdown and all that. So uh, we, the company provided them with a letter to say that their journey was essential. Um, and I carried a copy of that letter, but it was a bit unconvincing because I was the one who signed it. Yeah. <laughs> oh, right, yeah. So I had like, it's like having permission from your own man. Yes, uh, yeah. not do your homework. But it did count as essential. But I was stopped once and I was talking to a guard. He said, hi, what's the journey? And I said, I'm going down to see my mum. And we then spent the next 10 minutes talking about his mum. Uh, that is so weird you should say that because I was stopped by a lovely guard, a female guard, um, just a regular checkpoint. I was going in to present the lotto. Yeah. And she stopped me. Well, now that's an essential journey. <laughs> well, it was, yeah. if you win. Although, as some of the guards stopped and uh, said to me one day, we didn't win. We were not letting you go. <laughs> <laughs> but she was lovely and she asked me where I was going. I explained I was going into Lotto and she recognised me. We had a bit of a chat and she said to me, how are you? And I said, listen, I said, I'm fine. I can't complain. Like, mm. 
we're all safe and nobody got COVID and we're staying well. And then I said to her, gosh, you're very nice to ask that. I said, and, and how are you? And then she started telling me how she hadn't seen her family in yeah. ages because they lived in Wexford. Like, I'm so lucky. My family, I'm with my mom and mm. my sister lives very close by. The guards are all asking us how we are. But yeah. actually, I hope they were all OK. Because yeah, they yeah. all had mums and dads and brothers and sisters as well, you yeah. know? Uh, well, well, the guys you met out on the road now were... were, were were genuinely lovely. Oh yeah, um, very nice. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I felt it was one of those periods where, where Ireland really can feel like a very civilised country, you know. Oh, uh, yeah. um, uh, and hope, hopefully we'll never lose that. But I, I think a lot of people, I know me included, found lockdown two an awful lot more difficult than lockdown one. So lockdown two, was that this time last year? Well no, I'm mentally, whether it's lockdown I, two they called it or not, but I'm thinking of the period after Christmas. Oh, that because, was yeah, atrocious. Oh, it was atrocious, yeah. And we'd sort of, we were talking about saving Christmas or not saving Christmas or was Christmas ruined anyway and should we not just cancel the whole damn thing? Yeah, and you I, see, I think a lot of people, sorry to interrupt you, Connor, don't like January anyway yeah. because nothing happens. Mm. But it made it even more dismal, I yes. felt. Yes, yeah. Um, uh, you, so that was a little bit bleak. I think we're all feeling a little bit better now. We uh, are, but I... I no, we are. I agree with you. But I suppose with the cases being high, I don't know where we go from here. But anyway, I suppose... Well, I tell you what, if you make sure we have good weather... I know, um, people that, won't that, mind. Yeah, that, that's, that's, <laughs> that should, should certainly cheer people up. Um, uh, well, listen, Nuala, you're, you're, you're very kind to talk to me. Um, uh, and And we, we will certainly have to catch up in a, a broader sense with some other old pals. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. There, there, There's talk of a, a road watch reunion yes, happening. It's, uh, yeah, it's, oh, it's, I'd yeah. love that. Yeah, so we definitely have to have to include you in that um, and listen I, I hope you stay I, I, I hope you stay well and healthy I, um, as life goes on I mean I know you lost your dad I, I lost my dad at round about the same time so um, it does kind of readjust your, your life it does and, it... and it's strange because when we talk about cars I think of my dad because yeah. my very first car you know he would have come with me that Saturday morning to pick it up yeah. and when we drove home we stopped for petrol and he insisted on paying for the first fill of petrol, mm. you know, things like that. And and when I got a new car, which was just over a year after he died, I remember taking a picture of the old car and I was thinking, oh, he was in that one, but now he'll never see the new one. Yeah, I, I mean, it is, it is I, I get reminded by dad, I've been reminded of dad from time to time by the most random things. Um, uh, but one of the, he used, he used to love French cars when he was younger. So he did sit, you know, snazzy looking Citroën. Yeah. And at one stage we had a, something called a Citroën G Special, which looked very space aged in the seventies. Um, and I just, I, I randomly came across a photo of one uh, not so long ago and you're just kind of uh, tra totally. tra transported back. Yeah. And when my dad wasn't well, he said to me one day in the hospital, I, I don't think I'd ever I'd be able to drive again. I, I don't think I'd be able for it. And, and he, he wouldn't have been in a position to drive again. But I, I said to him, oh, Dad, your Dublin traffic is awful. Yeah. Sure. Why would you be driving? No, no, the bus is great. Because I didn't want him to feel yeah. that he couldn't, you know. Yeah. But it's yeah, it's strange how you think of people and connect them with things. Yeah, I mean, an early life stage is when you get on the road and you start driving. Um, and, and you have the, the later inevitable life, life stage that you come mm. to eventually as you reach a point where you stop. Um, unless, you know, you just feel 
like the Queen and don't feel like driving. You know, my mother's a little bit like that. <laughs> oh, listen, there's a, bit, a lot to be said for that. I have a few friends who can't drive. Well, they haven't learned to drive. Yeah. I'm sure they'd be very good at it if they put their mind to it. But I see them driven here, there and everywhere. And then I say to myself, did I make a mistake? Yeah. But I didn't. It's a skill you have to have. It's, and a, it's essential. Yeah, very, very good. Um, well, listen, Nula, it, it, it's delightful to catch up with you and it, it cheers me up to see you looking so well uh, and obviously thanks, in such yeah. great form um, and thanks a million for chatting to me and uh, listen talk to you soon and you too thanks Connor. sponsored by Expressway with My Expressway free travel pass holders can reserve their seats online at expressway.ie or at our ticket machines in stations Thanks to Nula for being so good and talking to us. Welcome to part two. I'd like you to meet Shane Ross. You know him, of course. He's been a minister, a TD and senator and a journalist and he's been part of public life in Ireland for many years. Now fired again by the electorate, as he cheerfully says himself, he's very candid about all sorts of chapters in his life, from private school in England to the cabinet table. And we spoke also about his latest project, a biography of Mary Lou MacDonald. So off to picturesque Enniscary in North County Wicklow to meet him. Shane Ross, uh, I'm delighted to see you. Thank you very much for, for taking the time to chat. Good to see you too. Uh, um, and we're in wonderful surroundings. You're a fantastic house in Enniscary on a, a beautiful autumn day in, in Dublin, in Wicklow. Um, lovely place from which to view the world, Shane. It is. It's very nice today. I mean, it's a very fine day out here in County Wicklow. And it's uh, there's a bit of space around, which is pleasant. And uh, it's we've been here about... Oh, 15 years now, and it's mm. it's uh, it's been a very very happy place to live. Yeah, yeah, and we have a we have a cup of coffee in front of us, courtesy of Ruth. Yeah, um, and a chance to chat because you're perhaps not as busy as you were uh, up until relatively recently. Um, so there's a long tale to tell in Shane Ross. Um, but given that this is a sort of a motoring podcast, we we begin a little bit with with Shane on the road. Mm-hmm. Um, wh- when did you first learn? You you were born and raised in Dublin. When did you first learn how to drive? I learned to drive when I was 17, actually, because you could do that, as you yeah. still can. And, um, and I, took, I took the test, I think, very, very early on, about six months after uh, I qualified for it. And uh, I learned, I took it, I had driving lessons and, and actually I got through the test. I was very surprised. I remember being very surprised indeed because we had hiccups on the way. I couldn't get the car into gear, but I got, I got through it. <laughs> Um, and that was, I think, I learned to drive probably on a Morris Minor, my mother's, or a car like that, a car, or a Fiat. I think it was no Fiat, and, mm. you know. The, uh, and and that was absolutely fine. And uh, I never had a car till I was about twenty-seven or twenty-eight of my own. But but I learned to drive quite early because it was it was quite necessary. I lived here out in Scarry yeah. uh, at that time, and it was quite necessary to to have a car because the bus services were very bad. Yeah, um, I, 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 but you're not really a, a driver or a motorhead or anything of that sort, are you? Was it always just a functional machine for no, you? I'm a very bad driver. <laughs> <laughs> I was, uh, I'm always uh, doing the wrong things on the road, which the Minister for Transport can't admit at the time. But luckily, when I, when I was the minister, I didn't have to do any driving, yeah. which was which was which was which was kind of lucky and lucky for the consumer because there could have been a lot of embarrassing incidents. No, I I'm not I'm not a kind of motorhead. All I. Uh, I kind of I enjoy cars. I enjoy the car I drive at the moment because it's kind of novel. You're um, an electric car, are you? Yeah, 
and it's uh, it's pure electric. It's no no hybrid element at all. And that I bought that as Minister for Transport because I thought it would help me to get re-elected. <laughs> <laughs> and it, it obviously didn't. But it's it's um, it's been a it's for me it's been a great success mm. uh, because it does about. I mean, when, when you get into it in the morning, it it says five hundred or four hundred ninety. Now that, yeah. that's difficult to explain to people because that's basically saying that's what's in the tank 490 miles uh, kilometers yeah. and um, and then of course it, that varies a bit depending mm. on how much heat you use and how much you know does it melt if you're on a motorway it it, it does I haven't quite worked that out but I think it's all right if you go to about an average about a hundred you, mm. you know much more about this than I do <laughs> kilometers per hour but but um, it doesn't actually melt but it, but if you put the heater on it suddenly Goes down by about ten percent. Wow! You you know it just knock, knocks off what what's in the tank. But I found it quite easy, um, in in the sense that I, I I was able to go down to Tipperary and round Tipperary and back. I can go to Belfast and back without refilling. Wow! Now that's big. Belfast and back. Yeah, I do that quite regularly. I've done that yeah. quite regularly recently, and I've done that without refilling. Yeah, uh, my my touchstone is uh, Sligo and back, or specifically yeah. Enniscrone in County yeah. Sligo and back. Mm. That's where my mum is. Yeah, um, and as for me to go electric, it ha has to go there and back. And, that's uh, probably about, how far is that? I mean, Belfast is, is used to be a hundred miles. I suppose it's about one hundred, what, one forty, one fifty kilometres. Yeah, yeah, doable. It's just doable. I'm not, I mean, the, the the warning signs start going when I carry about three mile, three three kilometres from home. It's fine. I've yeah. never, I've never had to feel. Yeah. So you probably won't go back then. No, no. Well, I, so, I wouldn't dream of going back because yeah. it's so cheap. Yeah. Very good. Very good. Uh -huh. um, so going, going back a little bit. I mean, just uh, people will know you, of course, Shane, for many, many years, and not just as minister. Mm. Um, uh, you seem to have been a, a, a figure in Irish life for a long time. One of the things I was curious about is you actually went to rugby school, didn't you? The... Yeah, I did. Um... How did that come about, Shane? I don't really know. I still don't know. Well, my mother was English, mm. and she was she she came over here in 1945, something like that, with my father to live here, and she was very keen. I think that both my sisters and I should have a kind of broad education. Otherwise, we'd have one foot in Ireland, one foot mm. in England all the time. And she was very uncertain about whether they're going to stay here or not. I think mm. at, the at that stage. So when it came to going to school. I went to a prep school in, in Dundrum, St. Stephen's it was called, which closed down since. And that prepared that prepared me for, for going to rugby. So I did kind of half my schooling here, mm. half my schooling there. They just thought it was it was a good idea to, to have a kind of broad education. I, I, I don't think it was a good idea actually, but it, oh, uh, right. it did it did happen. Well, I just didn't think it prepared me very well for, for living here. It was and was it the, the classic English public school experience? Well, no. It, you know, everybody thinks that you know it's it's terribly tough, but there's all mm. sorts of strange things going going on, and <laughs> you know, it's not as bad as that. It wasn't as bad as that at all. I didn't like it because I was very homesick, but uh, you know, there wasn't very much bullying that people yeah. talk about it where I was anyway. Uh, there wasn't a huge amount of kind of all sorts of there wasn't you know massive beatings and all that sort of thing going on. It wasn't very hardy hardy in that way. It was it was kind of robust, but yeah. it wasn't it wasn't unpleasant or you know, you didn't get cold at night for not having too much blankets. It didn't put yeah. you Do you know that that makes sense to me because I, I did a couple of years in boarding school yeah. here in yeah. uh, in CCR and Ross Gray. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and like that, 
you know, I, I was I remember being very homesick in my yeah. my first year. Yeah. Um, but the lads and the school and the experience um, w- yeah. w- w- was great. I came came yeah. out untraumatized. Yeah. Um, and you came out untraumatized as well. Um, and and yeah. I, I I know that amongst other things, uh, you were a stockbroker for a while. Yeah. Um, I got great amusement hearing you tell the story about being fired by Dermot Desmond. <laughs> well, yeah, that was that was that was. Yeah, I was fired by everybody, by the way, <laughs> including the electorate recently. Uh, um, I was, yeah, I was. I, I went to Trinity, and then I went on to stockbroking. And Dermot, Dermot t- took over the firm. Hmm. He was a he was a kind of invader of the Irish stockbroking world at the time, and everybody resisted that Dermot like hell because he was very old fashioned, and he was a kind of imposter. They saw us coming in, and I. He came to, he came to me and and my partners and said, "Hey, look, I'll buy your company and give you a few bob for it." And we weren't doing very well, and so he, he just wanted the badge um, to get him to stop running the world. So we accepted, and we got on very well. But the, but basically, uh, when he got it, when he took it, there was an interim period in which I had to stay there. I stayed there, and I intended to stay there quite a lot, long time. And basically, the day down. Got control. He tell me I got my marching orders, and he, <laughs> he was right. I mean, I was really bad at it. I was. He really well, I don't know. Did it work work out for him? Well, it worked out really well for him. Of course, it did. Yeah, he was very, very good at what he did. Yeah. Uh, at that time, and we had a we had a terrible battle about about his takeover and about him firing me. But he got me, and that, that was that. And he he paid me off, and that was fine. Yeah. You know, that was that was the right decision on this part. And uh, then two, two sort of parallel careers for you. Then I yeah. think uh, you were a senator uh, yeah. for a long time, and also Sunday Independent business editor, weren't you? Our business journalist. Yeah, that was that was very nice. That was a very nice period of, of my life, really, because. There was a great deal of freedom because I was an independent senator for Trinity, and there was a great mm. deal of freedom there. You know, the, no party whip really most yeah. at that time. Uh, and then at the same time, yeah, I was business editor of, of the Sunday Independent, which was a very exciting time because there was a we had a, we had an editor called Angus Fanning, who we may yeah. have known at the time, of course. and he was very colourful. He was very unorthodox and very you know there was always a, a round minute when, in the Independent <laughs> at that time. Uh, but there was great freedom to say and do what we liked, and 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 Angus, and to his great credit, Tony O'Reilly, mm. who was um, the owner of the Independent at the time, certainly the, the moving force in it, uh, never really inhibited me for what I said or did. Mm. And there were huge pressures on the media, particularly the business media, uh, you know, to toe the line with advertisers and to. Yeah. And Dublin being such a small place, the O'Reilly's course know everybody and had a lot of friends. And, and, um, and a requirement for a green jersey as well, was there? I mean, no. no, it was quite it was quite extraordinary. I mean, Angus was was was, was fearless, and he mm. said, "Say what you like about it. Don't worry about you know what's going to happen. There will be protests. There will be problems about whatever you do. There'll be people putting pressure on not to do it." He's and he just let it go. And O'Reilly, to his great credit, um, really didn't put any pressure on us at all, which I couldn't believe because mm. he had so many irons in the business fire. Yeah. And um, everybody thinks you know, from outside that, yeah. you know, of course there's pressure, there's subtle pressure, there's, you know, well, it's setting ethos. I wouldn't attack a rally interests. Yeah. Right? Um, I think that would be probably... At least not gratuitously, would no, you? No, no, no. <laughs> uh, and I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't do that sort of thing. But there were pressures. I mean, I wouldn't attack the independent or say the share price is too high or something like that. Yeah. Or very unlikely to do that. But with that proviso, 
uh, you know, we could we we could say and do what we liked about other companies who would put pressure on on the, on the and put pressure on Angus, and he he would just resist it. So at that stage, it was yourself and Eamon Dunphy, um, yeah, an yeah. unlikely Batman and Robin. <laughs> well, we let a kind of shareholders vote because there was so much wrong with that company, what was going on, and we were in a position really to to represent the shareholders because Eamon had the program. Yeah. And there were masses and masses of shareholders listening to the, the, that, that program, and I was also in the Sunday Independent, and, and there were and in the Sunday Times, mm. as I remember, and there were enormous pressures on us to say, you know, represent us in, in what you write and in what you say on the radio. So we we kind of used that to be the voice of those who you know who who hadn't people to represent them, particularly at the AGM, and that we threatened. And, and there was a lot of shareholder. Anger, wasn't there? I mean, the, the, oh, the yeah. it was, it was a destruction of value that occurred there. Well, the value just sank, and it was it was awful in that way. I, I think that the real resentment was against the board. Mm. I mean, I think it was a classic case. I don't want to refight the battles of yesterday, but I think it was a classic case of uh, a board being completely out of touch with a massive shareholder base, mm. uh, and the board doing rather too well. And that was happening in too many places, and it was a kind of forerunner of the banks yeah. here as well, which happened obviously a few years later. So yeah, we, we, we did that, but it, but um, at the end of the day, uh, although we we did our best for shareholders, at the end of the day, the big battalions actually won the road, won did, got got what they wanted. Mm. The company was you know was run by the the larger shareholders, and that was it. Yeah, and 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 the the, the retail shareholders, the first dip uh, into share share ownership yeah. for lots and lots of Irish people because of the huge rollout of mm. the Aircom shares at the time. For yeah. most people, it was a loss and a lesson, and for for some yeah. people, it was a nasty blow. Yeah, it was a, it was kind of meant to be a brave new new dawn. Mm. Uh, when everybody would have a few shares in in a company which was really supposed to be going to, you know, it was, it was the kind of buzz thing that the high tech and the comp stuff, it, it, and it didn't work out like that. Uh, they lost money. They all lost money, which, yeah. was, which was very sad. Yeah. So, so two careers on the spin. The yeah. relatively, uh, well, to, to quote yourself, the relatively easy role of an independent senator with yeah. no party whip. Yeah. Um, but you you chose to you chose to go out over fences. You mm. you, you when were you first elected as a TD? You, you had contested a, a general election before, I think. I. Uh, I put my hands up. Uh, I, I joined Fine Gael for a short period in, in, ah. in 19... Gosh, when was it? 19... Oh, it was probably about 1990, 1991. Uh, and I was there for uh, three or four years and I contested general election in Wicklow here. Right. And I failed abysmally. Well, I was kind of... I wasn't elected anyway. Uh, I was there kind of number two. Yeah. Godfrey Timmons was running as the front runner. Uh, in Wicklow, and I was the number two, and I, I didn't get it. Okay. Uh, it does take great courage to run for election. I mean, I, I know it, it, it's yeah. a national hobby to bitch about anybody who does, or certainly anybody who succeeds. Yeah, yeah. Um, but but it is an act of courage to 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 put your put your name and face up and go for it. I think you're being a bit kind there. I think that's it. <laughs> I think it's a good trip. If in some ways, you know, mm. um, it's experimental. It's an adventure. Yeah. And in some cases, it's idealism as well. I mean, let's not be totally unfair to people. A lot of people want to want to get in there, not just out of pure personal ambition, but because it's a mixture of feelings yeah. you have. You know, you want to get things done. There's, there is obviously 
uh, an ego element in it, the sense of achievement. Uh, but you know, yeah, people like knocking politicians. That's what that's what it's good well, for. It's, it's, it's a national hobby everywhere, yeah. isn't it? Oh yeah, and. Uh, and, and and that's fine and yeah and, and, and here we go yeah, I didn't get it that time and that was that, that wasn't a particularly difficult mm. period because I went back to the Senate where I was in the first place anyway yeah. so, you know. and then you you wound up being elected as an independent mm. TD mm. Um, and and making some unlikely friends and bedfellows amongst the other independents when you were the, the you were the independent group at that time yeah highly disparate yeah um, yeah that's right that was a yeah I got elected. I said South South for for Dublin, South Dublin in uh, Dublin South was then in two thousand and eleven, mm. and that that worked out fine and got elected. That was a, a better experiment, and that was really interesting because it was a very 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 difficult time. It was just after the banking crisis. Yeah, and Vinnefall uh, had a disastrous election, mm. and of course as independents we were lucky and we got elected partly because there was so much negative vibes about Finnafall. Uh, and that was fine. And I, I did that for about four or five years to, as an independent. Mm. But at the time, and I think this is what you're referring to, yeah. we formed a group of independents in anticipation of the next election. Mm -hmm. We didn't want to be a political party because, as you say, it was so disparate. We would have found difficulties yes. uh, agreeing on all policies and having a party whip. So we had a kind of loose group of people which we called the Independent Alliance, uh, which was a large number of councillors around the country mm -hmm. and who all stood, a lot of whom stood as TDs and then a few sitting TDs who stood as well. And we yeah. stood as on a platform of basic uh, principles. And then we, uh, but no party whip because we, we wouldn't be able to impose it because people mm -hmm. came from, as you say, there were a lot of people from, you know, really strong rural conservative areas, yes. liberals from Dublin, all that sort of classic difference in our, that exists in Irish politics. But we had enough in common to say, look, we form a group and we try and get into government. Mm -hmm. That's what happened. We formed the group, we yeah. got elected, and we got into government. Yeah. So suddenly, yeah, you're in cabinet. Yeah, I know. Um, extraordinary. And I can't imagine that you had a mental picture of a path that would have led you to cabinet. But there you are at the cabinet table. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that was the object of the exercise, of course, to get in and yeah. get things done. Um, certainly, and and it was. It, it did. We were lucky. We were desperately lucky. It worked. We got six TDs elected. Ender needed six, as it happened, or five yeah. or six, because it was, it was complicated arithmetic, but basically he needed five or six to form a government. And, uh, and we were lucky. We could say, yeah, here we are. We, we got the six votes. And everybody, we had these, these negotiations with government, and everybody else dropped out. You know, mm -hmm. uh, one by one, all the you know the Labour Party and uh, Social Democrats and the Greens dropped out of the negotiation, and we were left. And so, yeah, and well, had no option but to come to us and say, yeah, "Well, no, no, no government at that time was ever yeah. going to be popular." I mean, yeah. it, 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 you know, the country was in for a few painful years, no matter who was right. in charge. Yeah, that's right. Um, and how did you find life as a cabinet minister? I mean, the the, the, the brief again, yeah. uh, you know, Shane Ross, what brief shall we give him? Let me see. Oh, I know, sport. Wouldn't that be just the thing? <laughs> no, I don't think it's worked like that. I think it was transport that he wanted to mess me around with. Yeah. But, yeah, we weren't happy bedfellows mm. to start with, certainly. Uh, it was a, a kind of forced marriage. It was an arranged marriage yeah. almost because there was no one else for Enda to go to. And it was quite unique, I think, in that we went into coalition with 
the five of us with with Enda, not as friends, but as enemies, mm -hmm. political enemies. And we were still political enemies when we'd done the deal. That was really quite unhealthy. Right. Uh, we'd done the deal on policy and, and then Enda called me kind of up once the deal was done. And he said, you're getting transport. And I saw him kind of grinning when he said it. <laughs> uh, uh, and instead of, we didn't negotiate our cabinet positions at all. We negotiated right. policy, which was fine, mm. and the number of positions we have. Okay. Uh, we were so bad at negotiating this, I think, really. We got a lot of stuff. Se senior hurling, as I yeah. And exactly as, as James Brown said, and 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 it kind of called me up the night before. We we knew we were getting one senior, one junior, and a couple of juniors. And he called up and he said, "Okay, that's fine. You're getting transfer." And uh, I said, "Okay, fine, thanks." And I suddenly realised, you know, and sport and tourism with the juniors sort of tacked on. With it, yeah. tacked on. And and I said, "Okay, fine." And I walked out. And I just I, I walked down the corridor. I've been mean, talked to Ender for about five minutes. It wasn't a terribly mm. pleasant conversation because we didn't have it, those conversations at the time. We, we hadn't got on very well. And uh, I suddenly realized there were three industrial strikes or four industrial strikes on the way. You know, the, yeah. the bus strike, yes, yeah, yeah. train strikes, few, few other Dublin bus and the bus errand. And I said, that's why he's given that to me. This is an absolute nightmare. Um, mm. And the first months of it were very difficult to yeah, that we, we yeah. did. We had strikes all the time. And... Travelling with Expressway and your free travel pass is made easier with a reserved seat. When booking journeys at expressway.ie, make sure to select Seat Only Reservation Free Travel Scheme and pay just two euro per trip to guarantee your seat. Bookings can also be made from ticket machines in stations and priority boarding will be given to those who book in advance. Travel without a booking is still more than welcome, if you prefer, provided we have space on board. Take it easy with your free travel pass and expressway.ie. Think you're not smart enough to own a smartphone? Well, think again and think Doro. Doro phones are designed specially with the older person in mind. They're easy to use with louder sound and larger text. Plus numerous state-of-the-art features that don't compromise on performance or quality. To learn more about the full range of high-tech Doro phones, visit doro.ie. Doro phones. Make friends with innovation. If you're enjoying this podcast, why not subscribe to Senior Times, the magazine and website for people who don't act their age. Or maybe you have a loved one or a friend who you know would love to read more. You can buy a subscription and have the magazine delivered direct to their door. To subscribe to Senior Times, visit the website at seniortimes.ie and like us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash senior times. Living in yeah. cabinet yeah. Uh, and, you know, mm. mar marriage of convenience yeah. uh, and, you know, the tone brusque, yeah. the, ex the exchanges uh, outside outside yeah. the uh, cabinet room, yeah. you know, still seem pointed. In the cabinet room, was it a functional relationship could you know was business done in a business-like manner it was difficult to start with it was mm. very very difficult and i mean a lot of that was our fault we didn't think of ourselves i'm talking about finney mcgrath john mm. halligan mm. uh boxer moran and at the time uh sean canny i mean we didn't think of ourselves as cabinet ministers. We thought of ourselves as still being in opposition within the cabinet. Yeah, coll collectively, perhaps unfairly, yeah. e each of those might be referred to as populists. Oh. Um, 
and you know absolutely very easy to do in in, in a sense yeah. you know if if your if your role is to criticize you know yeah. I, I i you know i can criticize Lionel messi or brian o'driscoll but yeah. um you know uh, ser- serving in cabinet means there's work to be done even when it's not popular isn't it that's right i mean i was a populist let's, let's be honest i was so i was kind of leading the charges of all these populist causes i don't see any shame in that just because it's populist doesn't mean it's wrong yeah in sure. fact that's, to me it often means it's right it's you're, you're actually fighting the establishment which is so entrenched which isn't going to, is going to resist what is good for people um we had yeah i think i think we didn't make the adjustment. You see, Finnegan had been in power for five years before that. Yeah. And they're still in power now. And yes, they, yeah. they, they, they are used to power and they almost regard it as their right. And I think certainly Finian and I and John, I think we felt that they thought we were just a nuisance mm-hmm. uh, there. And we thought we felt we responded to that probably in a very negative way by saying, here, we're here to sabotage the, the arrangements rather, <laughs> rather than help out. And we had to, we took a long time to adjust the fact that we were actually in government. We were there to decide things and to cooperate and to do mm. it together. And now, Enda and I had a really strange relationship, really bad relationship to start with. It was right. just awful. Every week we'd row in cabinet. You know, he threw the, he shook the um, constitution at me in the cabinet. <laughs> the time, said, this, this, I, you, remember, I remember you told me that once yeah, before. Yeah. I mean, the teacher literally waved the constitution yeah. at you. Yeah, it was really bad tempered stuff <laughs> in front of a very amused cabinet yeah. around the place. So that was very bad. Uh, but it, it, it actually got a lot better. Mm. After about six months, and I got very fond of him. Yeah. And then, you, you, of course, there were two two T-shirts because the the switch from Endo from mm. Enda to Leo mm. occurred what, after about years. a year. Yeah, yeah, that was in two thousand and seventeen. Yeah, and that was a that was a much easier relationship in some ways. Mm. Leo was very practical. He was very he was very unconfrontational. Right. Uh, Ender's attitude was ram it through. You know, these people are in the way. You know, Finn and I in particular would get it through. How are we going to outwit them? And he'd do, he yeah. was a, an operator. Uh, and how are we going to do it? You know, and he'd see, he'd test you, see how far you'd go. Uh, Leo's much more conciliatory. Mm-hmm. Never had a confrontation with them of any sort, uh, either off or in cabinet, as far as I remember. We'd have had disagreements, but not you know, head-to-head, yeah. sort of government-breaking type arrangements or conversations. And so that was, in some ways, a lot easier. Right. Uh, but um, but it was just difference of, a difference of style. And Leo's style is not to actually confront you and say, OK, I'm going to sack you if you do X, Y, and Z. Yeah. And he would never say that, but he you'd think it was no, but I mean it, yeah. it, 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 the, the tone yeah. clear yeah. Um, and of course while this is going on yeah. you're you're being a minister mm. Um, mm. And, and you're a minister for transport yeah. and I, I do know and I'm, I'm not just saying this to be nice but I, I know directly from permanent officials that mm. you know I dealt with that as minister mm. if there's one thing you genuinely did care passionately mm. about it was road safety yeah. um, am I right in saying you had the you insisted on having the uh, road safety figures on your desk every morning yeah yeah, we got them every day. They were, they were done every day by delivered. I think from the RSA to the department to me. Yeah, and that was very very important. I mean, it did. There's so many things you want to do, and there's so there's kind of low hanging fruit mm. when you get in as well. And this appeared to me something I really could do something about. 
you know, this, all sorts of things take so long when you go in there. Yeah. It's a 10-year project, you know, roads and bus routes and, you know, uh, 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 that, that those things are long-term. Yeah, yeah. This seems to me, look, God almighty, here we are. We've got, a, we've got so many road deaths mm. happening. And I, I actually have got a little bit of a say here. I've got, I can do something about this. Yeah. So let's go. Let's, let, let's get at it. What can we do? And even that was really, really difficult. The, 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 drug, the drink driving thing. Yes, yeah. I don't know that was popular with, that wasn't popular with a lot of organizations like your own at the time. I think they yeah. had reservations about speeding. And things yeah, like I, I was often critical of proposed legislation, yeah. but um, mostly critical of whether or not we needed legislation or yes, we, just right. needed, we just needed yeah. action on the laws that we had. Yeah. But whenever the drink drive limit was touched, which yeah. has happened a few times over yeah. over my career, um, cue a storm of protest from yeah. predictable voices, yeah. Yeah, sure. uh, including some rural populists yeah. Yeah, that's right. um, who just, yeah. just come screaming at you whenever it's proposed. Yeah. So, so, so sometimes it has to be driven through. Yeah, um, but you were able to hang tough on that. I think. Well, yeah, it was it was it was a very difficult exercise. In fact, because having what happened was I didn't realise that there were uh, some of the drink driving laws that could be reformed and could be changed, and some of the loopholes that existed. I didn't realise them before I came in, and I realised that one or two of the loopholes could be changed quite easily. But they did need legislation. Yeah, to refer that. Uh, and so I, I got the department to to draft legislation to improve the drink driving laws, in other words, to change things. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, they did that. They drafted the legislation. And I suddenly found that uh, half the Finnegale party didn't want it. <laughs> the Finnegale party didn't want it. Uh, what do you do when you're a coalition party? So it's just, and it wasn't in the programme of government. I hadn't put it in the programme of government. Before. Right. I didn't know I was going to be Minister of Transport. So uh, I brought it to cabinet. And uh, they knew it was coming, of course, but, but and that there was an incredible campaign by the Vintners and the LVA and all yeah. those people to stop it. Huge amounts of pressure being put on the Fine Gael backbenchers mm -hmm. who were against it. And there were a large number of members of the cabinet against it as well. Uh, and uh, we just got it through, mm -hmm. uh, but only just got it through yeah. the cabinet. It was kind of, there was never a vote in the cabinet on it, but. Uh, I remember very well thinking, hey, the day I brought it there and having, I texted a large number of the Fine Gael cabinet ministers the night before, and I got a pretty frosty response, which was like none, right? Yeah. Uh, some of them said, yes, fine, and uh, and I had the kind of teachers imprimatur as well, but not terribly enthusiastic. Anyway, it, went to, it just got through, mm. and then the battle, then there was a battle from Finnefall were against it to start with. Yeah. Um, a lot of the other parties against it. Finnegale backbenchers didn't want it. They were trying to resist it at, at, mm. by referring it to all sorts of delaying mechanisms. But I'll tell you what got I, it through was the victims' groups. I was going to say because it was always popular with the general public. Uh, and, so, yeah. and the victims' groups, some of whom were very, very articulate yeah. um, and, and passionate about it. They were wonderful. They were just absolutely wonderful people, and and uh, that was what that was what rallied. We we thought we were going to lose at one stage. We certainly started behind. Mm -hmm. Fine party was against it. All the other a lot of other parties against it. Uh, Fine Gael party, I think, basically against it. Uh, and but the victims groups were so powerful 
and so genuine. And yeah. they came and they picketed the Doyle, yes, they rang everybody. They they put them in a very difficult position, mm. and they were absolutely tragic people, really brave people. Oh, I know. I spoke to I spoke yeah. to myself. Yeah, and these weren't the kind of people who were obsessed in any way. They were just really tragic people they'd had all tragedies in their lives yeah. through no fault of their own and they actually put a moral pressure it was a really good example of it on various TDs particularly in, in Finfall and they, they they turned them around and the thing went through very easily in the end but it, there was a there was a filibuster for a very long time so and there we were coming out of cabinet yeah um, and and just when it's all going so well um, yeah. although mind you your, your tenure as sports minister mm. had uh, had good moments and bad in it as well I remember you getting a huge social media pile on over uh, was it posing with a photo with um, Katie Taylor Katie Taylor yeah. <laughs> as a lifelong boxing expert <laughs> it was it was not my finest hour because I was trying to get in the photographs. Yeah, well, that's absolutely correct. Yeah, the uh, yeah I went out to the airport to um, mm. to meet Katie Taylor, which is which is what ministers are meant to do. Yeah, uh, when the when 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 the uh, when she comes in having won the world championship, she yeah I I suppose I did what we all do uh, I insisted on being in all the pics by sticking to her far too closely uh, and unfortunately the and did you have a helper PR type person you know no. doing the embarrassing elbows on your behalf no I, I wasn't very good at taking people with me and I, maybe I should have done huh. I didn't really like having been surrounded by civil servants which is yeah. what happens when yeah, <laughs> they, yeah. they want to be with you all the time and tell you what to do handlers mm. and I wasn't really good at that I used to Tell the handlers to stay away, um, and uh, because simply because because you get fed up with yeah, being yeah, told yeah. what to do and being managed. It's a claustrophobic. Yeah. yeah, and I used to go on my own, and I went on this one. I could have done with a handler, to be honest. <laughs> this time, because <laughs> what I did was I just stuck to take Katie, and of course, unfortunately, I was rumbled by the press. Yeah. they realised that I was just sticking to Katie. I didn't really have a role there except being photographed, and I got a, I got a bit of a hammering on social media about it. Yeah. Uh, but you don't mind, you felt you deserved it. No, I don't mind. Yeah. Don't mind. There was a much more serious one, yeah. though, in Rio, wasn't there? Because, like, uh, mm. I'm, 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 I know you've, you were made trenchant comments mm. in your capacity as minister about mm. the FAI and mm. their governance issues mm. um, and, and about um, yeah. the Olympic Council of Ireland. The, the ticketing scandal was happening mm. while you were in Rio. Mm. Um, that must have been a bit of a worry just in terms of Ireland's yeah. reputation and. There was there was a real problem there. Yeah. I mean, there, 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 was, there was we we both those examples which you've just used were, I suppose, how do you put it? The yeah, certain sports organisations were in the hands of one person. Yeah, um, and too much in the hands of one person, and the result of that, of course, is you get bad, really bad governments. Yeah, and uh, in Rio, it was it was. A, it was a really dramatic situation because of because Pat Hickey was arrested when yeah. I was there, and uh, and I'd already had a confrontation with him when I'd gone out there. We'd had a very very difficult confrontation about what was going on about the inquiry into what was happening to the tickets, and having had that confrontation, uh, he was then arrested, and now that made life very difficult for Ireland reputation. Yes, uh, when I was out there because because people were identifying. Ireland and him 
as being involved in something which mm. which was not very edifying and that that was that was a very difficult period indeed and but what it did do i suppose is is it 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 in it ensured that governance in Irish sporting bodies which was way behind way yeah. behind far improved and we did yeah. I think improve it particularly in the FAI after well, the, the state always did have leverage but it just seemed yeah. not to use it I mean, I mean it just seemed to allow the sports govern themselves with no oversight and yet at the same time plough in taxpayers money yeah that was I think that was right and, and you do learn that the state has a responsibility and it also has a power yeah I mean the the organisations have their own autonomy to a certain extent but it would be I did learn particularly the FAI that uh, if you actually want to do something in a sporting body of that sort which the government after all is funding to some extent mm. you do have the actual power to do it uh, and you can do it what was it government though or, or, mm. or was it journalism because if you think about the the FAI for example I mean it was the, the you know that where, where the dam actually did burst yeah. was with the story with the Delaney checks rather than you know any anything to do with government <laughs> oh no you're absolutely right the the, the story was broken uh, by Mark Ty yeah. and his colleague uh, and that was that was a fantastic piece of journalism. Yeah, it was absolutely. It was, and but we didn't know till he broke that story, the, the detail of what was going on, of course. And it was government that then had to act. Yeah, once it was done, I think we did it. I think we probably did do that okay. Uh, and the FAA now is in a really much much better place uh, mm -hmm. than it was. It's in a great place. With, you know, Roy Barrett and the boys are doing really really well on governance and those issues. I think. But no, no, I don't want to overestimate what we did. No, no, it was it, we didn't know what was happening behind the scenes. No, nor did anyone till till Ty broke the story. Yeah, the, the book Champagne Football oh, is brilliant. Uh, yeah, brilliant. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's yeah. absolutely, and it's still, I think, the bestsellers. I'm not sure. Yeah, yeah, it certainly yeah. was a few weeks ago. Yeah. I mean, it's and it and it serves. It was a really good piece of, piece of journalism. To, yeah, to and, and a really and a really good just sort of lesson to everybody about what can happen if too much power gets consolidated in yeah, one, in person. one person or a small yeah. coterie. And you, you, whether you're a well meaning charity yeah. or a sports organization or a, yeah. a, a or a massive business um, yeah. it, it rarely ends well no that's right um, so uh, speaking of rarely ends well yeah. I think things ended well for you but once again you got sacked yeah um, I did yeah I yeah, got sacked yeah, by yeah. people this time I got sacked by the people this yeah. time you got sacked by the people yeah. um, so how's life post um, post cabinet because you go whether you like cabinet ministers or not yeah. or whether you enjoy grumbling about them they genuinely do work every hour God sends I mean there are yeah. no gaps in the diary mm. so you, you went from that to well a cold mm. stop or you do no you do you, you, you do work very very hard whether whether all you do is good is mm. a different issue completely and yeah. and whether you're working for the people or yourself and there's all these kind of mixtures of that mm. um, uh, but you certainly work uh, very 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 hard um, and it's very very rewarding and it's also you know you hope you do some some good and achieve some of the things you set out to you never do achieve all of them now um, it's a kind of funny feeling when you, yeah. when, you when you get fired again it's uh, <laughs> it's, it's uh, it's, you, you and Jose Mourinho making yeah, a career. Right. Well, I don't do. I don't get paid off so often as he does. I don't think. But, but, uh, yeah, it's 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 something of a relief. I mean, you got you have to accept it first of all. Mm. You just have to say, right, they don't want me anymore, and uh, you decided. Yeah. And that's a blow to your ego, is it? No matter how. I I, I suppose it is. Um, not really. I mean, <laughs> it's a game in that sense. The yeah. the actual voting 
arrangements. That's a test you have to go through every every few years, and you accept it. Um, it's not it's not hurtful. No, I mean mm. you have to. It happens to nearly everybody in politics yeah. sooner or later. So you you just you just have to say right next. What do you do next? And uh, uh, and, and get on with it. And um, I've enjoyed life in yeah. the last year and a half, apart from the COVID situation. Yeah, but the freedom. Uh, of 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 not having to kind of you know take media requests day and night uh, and yeah. not have to be a slave to your constituents day and night. Yeah. I've I've kind of enjoyed that a bit. Although I, I enjoy the constituency work. Yeah, yeah. No. but it, it, it's tough. It, you know, if you, a thoughtless word, yeah. a thoughtless phrase, yeah. um, yeah. picked up the wrong way, and you suddenly you're suddenly you're under siege again. It must be exhausting yeah. life in some ways. I was pretty good at gaffes. I, 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 I did it quite often. I think there's probably two ways, uh, from yeah. a PR point of view, there's two ways you can go about gaffes. One yeah. is avoid them entirely through yeah. careful planning and yeah. adequate foresight. The other is to make so many gaffes that, <laughs> that, that people expect you don't, to you make don't them. get hung for them. Yeah, I don't know. That's yeah, it's something you just have to live with. I mean, yeah. I, I think the people who are kind of managing me find me find me a complete nightmare because first of all, I didn't really let them. Mm. do that and they would say look and now look what you've done sort of thing <laughs> say like Katie Taylor or whatever else and you've landed yourself absolutely in the manure and us yeah. and what are you going to do about it and that was that was awful but once you get used to that sort of thing yeah it's all it it's it's okay I mean it, they weren't serious you know you no. weren't putting you weren't putting the states you know money at stake no, you're but making you, you, yourself you, yeah you're going to be the butt of some jokes but you can yeah. live with that no that's all right i mean that that happened all the time that yeah. happened every 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 what i mean that, now I, I've, I've got a bit of freedom to do some other things which, yeah yeah so what what are you doing now because i i mean i i read that yeah. uh, you turned up with the Sinn Féin Ardèche yeah which i don't like stereotypes but it's not the first place i would have put you yeah i'm writing a book I'm writing a book about Mary Lou MacDonald, mm -hmm. a biography, uh, mainly because I wrote a book called In Bed with the Blue Shirts last year, yeah, which, which right. uh, was about the time in government, and that went very well. And uh, I kind of enjoy writing contemporary books about, about people who are, who are still current. Yeah. And uh, Mary Lou, who I know well, um, is obviously the most, I thought, the most interesting, I think, the most interesting person yeah. in Irish politics at the moment. And if you're going to write a biography, I think other people have either been overdone or are not so interesting. So I thought it was a good. It, it was it was a good choice. Is Mary Lou interesting in herself, or does she just occupy an interesting position as you know, Sinn Fein Taoiseach in waiting? That's a good question. Um, I think she's both. Uh, she's certainly Taoiseach in waiting. I mean, mm. it would be now somewhat of a surprise if she wasn't t-shirt because yeah. the opinion polls are so decisively in her favor um and that makes her immediately someone who should be examined very very closely uh and who should be tested and you know someone of great interest to to people uh she's got a very interesting background mm. i mean i mean who would for one moment have ever thought that a woman who is as middle class as she is yes yeah uh would end up as leader of Sinn Féin. I mean, that Sinn Féin are traditionally the, at, if you're going to put it at its most euphemistic, uh, 
are the uh, mm. voice of the underdog. But at its at its probably realistic, they are the inheritors of the IRA. Yes, yeah. Um, and so a, a dark green. Yeah, exactly. They are. They are. They are the the, the, the legacy of the IRA anyway. Um, and there we have a, a patently middle class, privately educated person who is now their leader. Female, female, female well. and a woman as well. Yeah, you're right. And. And so, who would have who would have ever thought that could possibly possibly happen? But it has happened. There, there's a, a skepticism towards Sinn Fein yeah. from lots of quarters, and, and but one of them is that you know it, it is I mean I, I heard Michael McDool yeah. speak about this and write about this. Yeah. Is Mary Lou Macdonald the leader leader of Sinn Fein? Yeah, um, or, or or is she the figurehead put forward? Well, Michael McDougall's probably a bit out of date. I mean, he was mm. he was kind of Minister of Justice a long, long time ago. Yeah. And so what he saw then was obviously the IRA was very active, I think, at that, at that time. And now he's he's saying, is she, but it's a fair question. Mm. And uh, the question, that's one of the reasons I was at the Ardesh, to which you just referred, was to try and see what her relationship was with the troops. Yeah. And with the the what was the army council, the people who were on the army council, and one of the interesting things there was to observe that mm -hmm. and to try and make up my own mind about whether she is her own person, or whether the people, whether the people, as they say, from the shadows in Northern Ireland, who were yeah. there by the way, yeah, but they were in the background, are um, dictating to her rather than vice versa. Yeah, because it, it, it's a fair question in the minds of many of the electorate. Um, yeah. You know, if you're my kid's age or, yeah. you know, if you're in your 20s, yeah. you see the world through the lens of current social problems like the housing problem yeah. uh, uh, and, and Sinn Féin, very, very attractive. Anybody in their 50s remembers the dark green yeah, years right. when Sinn Féin was a yeah. You know, a, a byword for IRA violence. Um, sure. uh, so th this new Sinn Féin, are they an, an honest left-wing party? Mm -hmm. uh, you know, centre-left or, mm -hmm. or uh, mm -hmm. a, a, a genuine? Or are they still yeah. the, the, the dark green force? Well, you better read the book. But the, <laughs> uh, the, 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 the preliminary, and the book won't be out till next year anyway, mm. the preliminary indications, I suppose, are that there are changes going on, mm. but that there is a fair old division between the North and the South mm. in Sinn Féin as well. And you have what you have at the moment, what you call the Lily Whites, which is Mary Lou is one of them. I mean, Mary, right. Mary Lou obviously is... Uh, is not someone who was um, carrying arms mm. or shooting people. Uh, but there are a lot of people, mostly from the Northern Ireland, who were. Yeah. And what you have to decide is whether they've reconciled to Mary Lou, whether she's acceptable to them, uh, and whether they are still yearning after the days that where they actually set the pace with, with pulling mm. triggers. And that's something you know she's she's fighting that battle and uh, i don't think that's necessarily over at this stage you know but uh, i think the the indications would be that Sinn Féin are trying to portray themselves yeah. as something new they're looking to get into government but you have to decide and the book i think will will indicate the answer to this question but i haven't got it yet you have to decide whether the guys from northern ireland uh and it was men mostly, yes, yeah. uh, are still in charge or whether she is.
And is this an authorised biography? Or are you... I met her and talked to her about it. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and uh, it's not authorised. No, it's not. Uh, uh, and, you know, I like her and I've, mm -hmm. I've known her for a long time, worked with her on, on various things. But uh, she wasn't very enthusiastic about introducing me to, uh, to, to, to people uh, or opening the ways for me. Mm -hmm. uh, and she came back to me after I told her about it after a week and said to, that uh, she wasn't going to stand in my way of anybody. In other words, say, don't right. do anything. But she didn't want to open any doors. And okay. that's the way it is. And, uh, you know, Sinn Féin is a very disciplined organisation. True. It's a, still very disciplined and it wants everybody to be on message. It was always my experience if you go into a door committee, I've just several times, to yeah. talk about anything. Insurance yeah. prices yeah. and drink drive limit. Uh, and there'll be a smattering of TDs there. It's supposed to be 12 or 15 of yeah. them. You know, you're lucky if, if half that number turn up. Yeah. Um, some will come in and out. Yeah. Uh, the Sinn Féin TDs are there on time, yeah. have read the brief, yeah. uh, understand it every single time, every That's single right. time. That's right. uh, so for, for sheer professionalism, yeah. um, they were eclipsing the other parties. Absolutely. And, and they'll take a unified view towards a book like this. And this is not a book which they will, will want to see. Okay. Because it's not linked to So will to the them. coordinated Twitter storm say, there's Shane Ross, not bad for a blue shirt. <laughs> or will it say, you know, this, I don't it, know. I, I, you see, I don't know. I think I think they know I'd be fair. At least mm -hmm. I hope they know I'd be fair. Mm -hmm. uh, and um, and and I have always had a good relationship with them, mm -hmm. in in the sense that they supported the drink driving. They supported yeah. the crusade we had about the judges, mm -hmm. uh, and that was a very good arrangement, uh, indeed. So you know, I have a, I have reason to 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 note that. But I think they know. I know. I think they know that'll be fair. On the other hand, it is not their book. It's yes. not going to say what they want, uh, necessarily. Some of it they'll like, some of it they won't. So uh, it'll be interesting to see their reaction. But the idea that they will not cooperate with the book unless it's their book. That's the reality right. of it. Uh, <clears throat> so there's going to be stuff in there they don't want. Mm. Well, listen, I look forward I look forward to reading it. When, yeah. when are we expecting that, Shane? It's, it is a work in progress. It is, yeah. It's um, it's probably going to be sometime, it'll be sometime next year, I think, sort of May, June. It probably won't be out until after that, but it'll okay. be finished around. Yeah, now, very good. Yeah. Um, and uh, between between now and then, you, I hope you're just going to continue to enjoy life in, in the, <laughs> the electric car, pooting <laughs> to and from any scary. Thank you very much indeed. I think yeah. things, are, things are all right. They're not as frantic as they were, thank God. Very good. Yeah. Uh, and 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 are you any inclination to to go back and try again? There will be a general election if this government runs its term. When are we due? It? The, um, Two, three I years. I suppose it'll be it'll be in three years' time. Look, the answer is I've I've no ambitions in that in that sense at all. Uh, uh, that is almost word for word yeah. the, the the answer that was scripted in Yes Minister. It's that, that's the one that was given to Jim Hacker to say. Yeah. I have absolutely no ambitions in that direction. <laughs> no, I don't. Um, but I kind of learnt in life because I was asked that question 30 years yeah. ago. Yeah. When I didn't get in the doll. Mm. Um, and I had no intention of going back to the doll that time. That was, and then 20 years later, I yeah. decided to go to the doll. So you don't actually just close the door completely. Yeah. But I don't anticipate it opening. Do you see what I mean? Yeah, I do. I uh, do. At all. And I'm not. I'm not 
making any kind of moves that would leave that as a possibility. But you never, you actually never quite know. You never quite know. No. Yeah. yeah. Uh, very good. Well, listen, and thank you so much for for um, mm. bringing me into your home in front of a lovely, a lovely warm fire of a of a chilly autumn day with a nice you. pot of coffee in front of me. <laughs> so um, yeah. I'm delighted to see you looking so well mm. and and still so full of ideas and so fresh and and undamaged from your tenure as a cabinet minister. Oh, no, it was a great experience. I was just so lucky to to have had that experience. That's yeah. The thing, you know. Great. Um, thank you. Well, listen, thank you, thank Shane. You. So thank you to Shane for meeting us and for a great conversation. I really enjoyed catching up with him. Thank you for listening and I hope you enjoyed it. This has been Driving Life with Conor Faulkner. If you did enjoy it or bits of it, then maybe you'll check in with us again next time. Until then, drive safely, live happily and come back and see us again. Sponsored by Expressway. With My Expressway, free travel pass holders can reserve their seats online at expressway.ie or at our ticket machines in stations.